Good morning. Please be seated. I say this with all of my heart, but God bless Berlin. And may God bless Germany. What a great nation. What a privileged place that God has allowed you to live in. It's not by accident you are here. There is a reason, and I thank God for you. I thank God for this nation, and I thank God for this church. Amen. God bless this church. God bless all the people that call this church home, that uh, you call this church your family. Uh, it's great to be back. This is my second time here. Uh, first time, I was surprised how much I love this city. Just such a beautiful city. Um, love the history. Love all that uh, is happening in this country. The miracle of where this country has come from to where it is today is nothing short of a miracle. Amen. Just amazing. Uh, we had the joy of having your pastor with us a number of years ago, and it's going to happen again. Uh, for those uh, who don't know, Peru is in South America. It's a long way from here. Long ways from here. We live in Peru. I, my wife is here uh, way up in the back. She came for the first time to Germany and the first time to Berlin. Um, but uh, we've now been there 40 years in Peru. We've actually been more time in Peru than where we, uh, our nation of birth, the United States, and love the nation God has called us to and love the work that God has called us to. Love to just to be a part of the body of Christ. How many know today the world is a hurting place? The world is a hurting place. And Jesus is the answer for a hurting world. Amen. Uh, I'll just to give you a little context, I brought a few pictures. I'll show you a couple of pictures of our church, the work we're doing, and whatever they show up first is where we'll start. But um, this is our Grace House. We rescue young girls that are suicidal. Uh, every one of them has been sexually abused. Everyone is... Uh, tried to take their life many times, and we rescue these young girls. We bring them into the Grace House. Uh, there's another picture, I think, of the Grace House of a bunch of girls. No, that's the feeding program. Uh, okay. <laughs> we can go into the feeding program. Oh, that's the church. Okay, that's the church. We can just go through the pictures however they come up, I guess, but... Um, this is our feeding program. During COVID, we were able to feed over 200,000 families in the nation of Peru, just one church. And I love that we did that through a church because if people, you know, serve the poor, then people say thank you. If a business serves the poor, they say thank you to the business. But if a church serves the poor, they say praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. So, and that's the heart of what we're doing, um, the feeding program once again. Uh, during COVID, it was an incredibly hard time in Peru. In fact, we just did a memorial service a few weeks ago for over 600 people in our church that passed away in the last two years of COVID. Most of them from COVID, some from other things, but there was no closure because they didn't allow us to have funerals uh, in that time. So anyway, oh, I got a picture right in front of me. Okay. Anyway, uh, this is just a little bit of the context of where we come from. It, I don't know if in the mix of all those pictures, 
It showed our orphanage as well. We've run an orphanage now. This is our church once again. But we've run an orphanage for over 30 years. This is the orphanage uh, where every one of these children has seen things in their past that no child should ever see. No child should ever see. But I say them to the children as much as I say to the Grace Girls, we can't change your past, but we can change your future. So anyway, that's a little of the context of where we come from. Uh, once again, I believe that uh, God is raising up Germany to be, and this church, to be a leader in the nations. Uh, and I pray, I pray there's something, because sometimes we get into this thing, well, we don't have any needs, we're fine, we've got all we need. But there's that old Latin term, noblesse oblique, nobility obligates. There's an obligation that we have to reach a hurting world. It's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody, every nation. And as we go, we make disciples of all of these people. Um, I had a word on my heart, and I'm just I'm going to share it. Um, and it, it starts with a story. I do a podcast in South America with my son, Taylor. And one of the times uh, that we were doing the podcast, he mentioned something to me that resonated in my heart. Uh, and it, it resonated in my heart because we were living, like I say, we live in South America. It's a, it's, we have poverty. In fact, Peru is very, it's a unique country because we have first world and third world two blocks apart. Uh, you have ex poverty and extreme poverty and then extreme wealth uh, just a few blocks apart. And, and when you see this and live in this, it's, it's just a, an unusual thing. But I remember um, during this podcast, Taylor told me this story because the world is a hurting place, place. And he told me a story of a dad that went to his wife. They had small children and the father went to his wife and the dad said this, said, honey, I, I am so sorry that we're bringing, we brought our children into this world. What kind of future will our children have? What kind of future, what, what world will they come into? And this was the, the dad's heart as he was watching the news and all of the things that were going on in the world. I'm so sorry that we brought our children into the world. And the wife looked at her husband and just said this, what do you mean? And he said, it's just a hurting world, all this stuff going on, the wars, the politics, the disaster, the pandemic, and all the things going on. I'm sorry we brought our children into the world. And the wife looked back at her husband, and she said, no, I disagree with you. We have the privilege of raising dragon slayers when there actually are dragons. So my message today is on raising dragon slayers. How do we raise a, a generation in a world that's hurting like this world today? Because we look at the world and we wonder, what's the future going to be? I, I always remember that story of Moses, where when Moses is growing old, God tells Moses, lay hands on Joshua and put your dignity on him. Lay your hands on 
this young man and, and anoint him because he is going to be the next leader. And then when Moses dies, the first thing that God says to, Moses, or to Joshua is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is no longer here. I can just picture Joshua saying, yeah, we know. That great leader, that amazing leader that talked to you face to face, that saw the burning bush, that saw your finger write on a tablet of stone, the Ten Commandments, and, and we saw him lead us out of Egypt and out of slavery and, and lead us through the desert. When he prayed, fire came down from heaven and a cloud came down from heaven and protected us all these 40 years. And now Moses is gone. I can, I can imagine there was a few people saying, now what are we going to do? Now what is going to happen? Maybe we should just go back. It didn't work. But then God looks at Joshua and says these words. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Can you imagine the comfort of those words? As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I mean, think about Moses. If there's any time in Moses' life that you wish you could have been there to see it, which one would you want to see? If, I mean, if you could see anything, the finger of God writing the Ten Commandments, or if you could see the, him throwing this stick on the ground and it becoming a snake. If there's anything, I know what you would say, because it's what I want to see, Right? Right? It's, I want to see that when the Red Sea parted. I mean, if you could see it, if you saw the movie, you know what it was like. Moses was there, Charlton Heston, and, and wind was blowing in his hair. And he takes that stick that God gave him, and he, the one that turned into a snake, and he plants it in the water, and everything opens up. And Israel passes through on dry ground and, and they get to the other side. Then it closes in on the enemy and, and the enemy is defeated. And, and now God, see Joshua was there. He crossed the Red Sea. And now God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I can imagine Joshua saying, okay, woo. And the first thing God tells Joshua is, go part the Jordan River. And Joshua says, yeah, I saw Moses do that. My pastor did that. I can do it. I watched my pastor do that. I know how it's done. And I can picture Joshua going up there. Yeah, the wind was blowing in his hair that day. And, and he just walked right up there and he planted the stick in the water. And I've got the stick and I've got it. And Joshua walks up and plants the staff, and nothing happens. And he turns, and he looks at the people, and they're going, yeah, yeah. Come on, Joshua, you've got it. As God was with Moses, he's with you. Just go do it. And Joshua takes another step, plants the stick. Nothing happens. You ever try to do what somebody else did, and it didn't work? 
I saw them do it. You see, for Joshua, it, he had to get in the water. It was different. But as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. That is a comforting word, and I want to say that. That's a word for you today. That's a word for your children. As God was with you, he will be with your children. As God was with you, he will be with the next generation. So if we're worried about what the future holds for our children, as God was with your parents, he will be with you. But the thing is this, Moses is dead. Don't try to copy Moses. What worked for Moses worked for Moses. What works for Joshua worked for Joshua. Joshua never did the miracles Moses did. Moses never saw walls come tumbling come tumbling down. Moses never saw giants be slain. Moses never saw what Joshua saw. Joshua didn't see what Moses saw. But what God is saying is, as I'm with you and I will be with your children, it'll be the same but different. It's going to be the same but different. So going back to that mother that was saying to, that said to the dad, Hey, what do you mean you're sorry you brought our kids into this world? What a privilege that we get to be the ones that raise up Joshua or raise up the dragon slayers. You can say, what do you mean by dragon slayers? That's like mythical figures, you know, like the fairy tales, dragon slayers. No. Let me tell you what I mean by the word dragon slayers. And I want to read a, a, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And the book of Revelation, chapter 12, first let me tell you the story of why it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, because this chapter, it explains a lot of what we're seeing today. And let me read that. If they put it up there like they did with Paul. You don't see it as good from here as you do from down there. Then I witnessed in heaven an event. A great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun. And the moon was beneath her feet. And a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant. And she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and with the seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth, and he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron or with an iron rod and her child was snatched away from the dragon, was caught up to God and to his throne. The next, it says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. And he was, let me go this way. 
And his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, was deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. I want to read a couple more verses. It says, Then I heard with a loud voice and shouting across the heavens, and it came at last salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and his sisters, of course, has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11, one of my favorite verses. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice heavens and you who live in the heavens. Rejoice, but terror. I like that word terror. It says in King James, woe. You know what woe means? Ay, ay, ay. It says, therefore, rejoice heavens and you who live in the heavens. Rejoice, but terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger. Look at the last part. Knowing that he has a little time. One more verse. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all those who kept God's commands and maintained their testimony for Jesus. I love this, this part because it's so descriptive. Do you ever wonder why Soon as we become a Christian, it gets hard. Have you ever noticed that soon as we give our life to Jesus, all of a sudden there is a battle? All of a sudden we're in this war, and the reason the Bible says here, number one, and understand this, you cannot make a peace treaty with the devil. He hates you. He hates you. He hates you and, the, and those that are around you. And, and I love that verse because it says the reason, the reason that he hates us so much is he knows he has a short time. He knows he has a short time. In other words, every time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. This is going to be a short time. Now, this verse starts out with this dramatic scene. And this dramatic scene is this. There's, there's in heaven this great sign. It's a woman clothed in the sun and in the moon. This great sign in heaven. We know that woman. There's two women in the book of Revelation. There's the church, this woman here. And then there's Babylon, the harlot, the other woman that's a a false beauty, and uh, we see the two women, the differences between them, but this woman, it's the church of the Old Testament, and the Bible says she was pregnant. She was about to give birth to a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. We know that child is Jesus Christ. 
But the Bible says the dragon stood before the woman. The dragon stood before the woman. Why? He wanted to devour the child before it was born. Where was the dragon before the woman? The woman was the church, and the the church was pregnant, about to give birth to the Messiah. And the dragon stood before the woman with one goal. I've got to stop that seed. Because in the Garden of Eden, if you remember, in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, God said to the woman, your seed will one day crush his head. That snake, that dragon. One day your seed will crush the serpent's head. And the serpent heard that in the garden. You see, the serpent ever since then stood before the woman. Ever since then, you see Satan. And that's why we see so much persecution for God's people in Israel. That's why we see King David, Saul is throwing sword, uh, uh, spears at him in the palace. Why? Because the devil was trying to get the seed. That's why we see when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod sent out a sign, kill every child two years and under. The dragon stood before the woman. Let me tell you this. Every time God is about to do something in your life, the dragon will stand before you trying to stop the miracle. In other words, if you're going through a time in your life that's hard, congratulations, the miracle is close. You see, every time God is about to do something, Satan stands before the miracle, trying to abort it. I tell this story sometimes, and I will briefly if I can, but my, my son, when he was born, my son was never born a baby. I mean, he came out huge. He was over five kilos. And my wife, you can see her up there, she's tall but very skinny. And, and, and I remember when we went into the hospital, the labor pains finally began, and we had taken all of the classes about childbirth. We knew how to breathe, and I knew how to try to calm her down and, you know, just calm down, just calm down. It's gonna, and, and I remember as we were in there and we're in the hospital, her water had broken. My son was going to come. We knew he was going to come. And they taught us everything. You go from, you know, the birth pains start every 15 minutes. They go down to every 10 minutes, a little bit tougher. Every eight minutes, a little bit stronger. Every seven minutes, every six minutes, every five minutes. And then it's painful. And you get down to every three minutes. And when it's every three minutes, I don't want to scare you, but you've already done this. But it gets down to every three minutes. And every three minutes is that thing called transition. It's when you dilate and the, the baby begins to come. And, and when my wife was in transition, it's supposed to last 30 minutes, 30 minutes. But my, my son was so big, he wasn't coming out. And now it's, the pain is every minute and a half and every minute and a half, there's a minute and a half of relief, minute and a half of a lot of pain. That was about the time when your wife says, I don't want this baby, I just wanna go home. Or my wife looks at me, you did this to me. And this pain was like every minute and a half. It's there, it's not, it's there, it's not, it's there. And, and, and my wife went through transition for three hours. 
transition in transition then the drugs don't work on her and so she was feeling everything and finally the doctor says we've got to go in and take the baby so they have these forceps they look like spoons they have short ones they have medium ones they have long ones he took the long ones and he goes in there and he begins to pull with all his strength and I'm looking you're gonna pull the baby apart he's pulling and he's pulling and finally Woo, that baby came out. And now the doctor, because my wife is bleeding, she's bleeding internally from the baby and the forceps, and she's got bleed, she's hemorrhaging, and the doctor goes in there and starts to sew her up without anesthesia. And while the doctor's sewing her up, the nurse puts this slimy baby in my arms, and my baby looks blue, and he's full of snot. And he's got a head like an egg. And I'm looking at this thing. And I'm looking at my wife, and she's in the pain. He's, she's, the doctor's sewing her up, and finally, finally, it's over. And when it was over, I looked at my wife, and I looked at the baby, and I said, okay, I'm going to have one child. And I put the baby in my wife's arms. You know the first thing she said was? I want another one. <laughs> I want another one. Why? Because once the baby is born, you forget about the pain. Once, see, the Bible says the dragon is always standing before the church. He's always trying to abort what God wants to do. And whenever the dragon is before the church, soon as the miracle comes, we forget the pain. All we see is God is faithful. And that's why the Bible says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. How do we overcome the dragon? By the blood of the Lamb. In other words, because Jesus shed his blood for us, we are forgiven. Jesus, he is the reason. Because of what he did at the cross, we are forgiven. We overcome the dragon by the blood of the Lamb. What am I talking about? Raising dragon slayers. In other words, as God was with you, he will be with your children because the blood of the Lamb will cover them as they covered you. And the word of their testimony. Let me say something. Parents, talk to your kids. Tell your kids what God did for you. Because when you're so young and you, you say, well, I don't have a testimony. My thing is, if you don't have a testimony, borrow somebody else's. Because the Bible says we overcome him by the word of our testimony. I remember when I used to read books about uh, guys like George Mueller in England. And he, he, George Mueller, a man of faith. And this man was such a man of faith. He saved over 5,000 children off the streets of Europe when it was a poor, England was a poor nation. He saved children. And I said, God, I one day want to have that testimony. But I didn't have that testimony. So I said, the God of George Mueller, I'll borrow his testimony until now I have my own. And we've saved hundreds and hundreds of children. You see, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
The Bible says Satan has come to the earth with, and I'm thinking in Spanish, gran ira, with wrath. He's mad. And he's mad because he knows he has a short time. But the same God that was with Moses is with Joshua. And the same God that was with your parents, your dad, is now with you and is now with Andrew. And it's with your children. So we get to raise dragon slayers in a time where there actually are dragons because this world is a hurting place and it needs the church. I know my time is up because the piano is playing. Signs and wonders happen today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would raise up in Germany a generation of youth, a generation of youth that fear no one but God, hate no one but sin and the devil, and you would turn them loose to be a generation that would change the world through the love of Jesus. God, use this church to be a part of what you're going to do. And God bless Germany. And God bless Berlin. And God bless the Berlin church. In Jesus' name, amen.